Let us pray this morning and let us ask the Lord to bless our time together as the body of Christ. Father, we honor you and praise you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the message today that you have birthed within my heart, Father, for the people of God. That in the days that we are living in now, Father, just like last year when the lockdown started, you told us to look, look up in the lockdown. To keep our eyes focused on you. And now during this time, Father, we thank you that there is contentment that is rising within our hearts, regardless of the circumstances around us. Thank you, Father, that we can walk in liberty. We're not going to walk in resentment. We are going to walk in contentment. We will not be resentful about things that have happened in our lives. No, Father, this morning we will rejoice in you, Christ our Savior, and the King of kings and the Lord of glory and the great I am. And we thank you for making something good of our lives, Father, that you're making something beautiful of our lives. And we give you praise that each and every single person online this morning is not going to be touched only, but also transformed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, Amen. The Lord bless you. For those of you who were with us last week, the Lord bless you. It's a continuation of the message on contentment. If you perhaps um, didn't get that, this is the second part. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of, of an update on what we were sharing. And just to do a bit of a flashback. We spoke about not being uh, concerned about the day of tomorrow because God is already in your tomorrow. And that tomorrow will take care of itself. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 6 verse 34. Then we spoke about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 10. That is something that the Lord is very serious about. And it's complaining and murmuring. Now, I, I have found that moaning, murmuring, complaining and gnawing and, 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 and just bringing about all your discontentment is not pleasing to the ears of God. And Elijah did that at one stage as well, and it didn't go well with God. So what we need to do as the people of God is we need to constantly be content in Him. And we are going to be sharing that with you today. We said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 10, it says, Neither mur murmur, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for our examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we are instructed by the Lord not to murmur or complain. You see, when we murmur and complain about things, I want to ask you, there where you are seated today, let's say there were some things that you were complaining about and murmuring about, and I want to ask you this question sincerely. If Jesus walked in, there where you are seated right now, and he came and he sat on the couch next to you, or he came and he sat in the chair opposite you, I'm just asking, okay, will those murmurings and complaining still continue? Will it still come out of your mouth? I'm just asking, okay. So <laughs> you see my point. When Jesus is there present with you in person, in living colors, we're not going to murmur and complain. Why? You've got the presence of the Savior, the King of the world, sitting at your table or sitting on the couch next to you. But I want to ask you, is He present with you all the time? Yes, He is. The Holy Spirit is consistently present with you. So just like you won't complain and murmur when he's sitting with you, so you don't need to do it when he's not there in person, but he's there in spirit as not to murmur and complain. And then we said last week as well that murmuring is the devil's music. He writes songs from your murmuring and complaining because he gets glory from it. Yes, he does. He gets glory from our murmuring and complaining. 
Now we spoke about, we just touched it last week. We just touched on it. Resentment comes from looking to others. Contentment comes from looking at God. And then contentment is not by addition, but by subtraction. Seeking to add a thing will not bring contentment. Instead, subtracting from your desires until you are satisfied only with Christ brings contentment. And I said to you last week that there are people who do emotional buying in order to feel better in their situation. They will purchase more things because it's an emotional state that you go into once you've received something new. But you all know that new thing that you have received that only lasts so long. And then the the novelty wears off. That's the way that the world puts it. The novelty wears off. And when the novelty wears off, people are looking for the next thrill to make them feel better about not only themselves, but their situation in life. And this is the last slide that we did last week. And we spoke about breaking the chain of resentment. And I want you to see what I put at the bottom of the screen there. There cannot be contentment in your life if there is resentment in your life. Now, resentment takes on various forms. A lot of people, and let's talk Christians today, just Christians. Christians are many times discontented and they are in resentment, not only towards themselves, but towards people, towards circumstances in life, towards past events, and sometimes even towards God that people are in resentment because of the station they are finding themselves in, that season that they are in their life. And remember this, God never changes His season to fit into your life. He changes your life to fit into His season. Oh, wow. That's a good one this morning for somebody while you are sipping on your coffee. That is a good one to remember. God doesn't change His seasons to fit into your life. He changes your life to fit into His season because He's busy with you. And I took the word resentment and I said to you, resentment is the same message that's being sent to your mind all the time from the kingdom of darkness as where he wants you to wallow in the mire of resentment. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to sit there and feel not only sorry for yourself, but feel sorry about yourself finding yourself in the circumstances that you are in right now. That's where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in that, that, that mire of mediocrity, that, that, that mire of discontentment. And we see now, and I took the word contentment, and I put um, brackets around the middle part of it, Carol. You can see the tent. And what is that tent about? We know that Paul the Apostle speaks about the tent of our body. This is the tabernacle where the Holy Spirit came to live. So in your tent... You must be content. Now it's going to be easy to remember it. So resentment versus contentment. Resentment is being sent to you all the time. The messages from the kingdom of darkness to be unhappy about your life, to murmur about your life, to complain about your life. But in your tent, your environment where the Holy Spirit is dwelling, that is where you need to sense the presence and contentment of the Lord on the inside of you. Do you know that the Lord is content to dwell with you? The Lord is content on the inside of you. He made that very clear, especially in the Gospel of John. That's why Jesus said the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, he's going to come when I'm gone. He's going to be with you and he will be with you forever. And I want to ask the question this morning, and I'm posing this challenge to all of us. 
The question at the bottom of the screen, it says, but how do we lock into contentment? I've had people who have asked, but how, how do you do the switch over? How do you flick the switch from being in discontentment and sometimes even resentment to get into contentment? How do you do that? Who duna means that? What is he practice applicasi? And I've told my students over many, many years, I was taught so many things in the body of Christ. And I'm grateful today because I had awesome teachers. I had awesome spiritual fathers. I had people who walked with me. I had people who guided me, instructed me, and taught me. And I'm grateful for them today. And I want to say to you that there is one thing that I found with these men that I walked with. Is that when I was in their presence, I was content. Why? Because I was learning wisdom and the ways of the Lord. And I'm so grateful for that today. And what you are seeing today is an outflow of that. And the Lord said to me, you pay it forward. Those who built into your life, you need to now build into the life, build into the lives of others. That's why I said to you from the beginning as well, God never called me to build buildings. God called me to build people. You'll see that a, a golden nugget that I did recently. Never use people to build your ministry. Always use your ministry to build people. That's the difference. And people know the difference. People can sense it. So my question this morning to you, all of you, Marie, Cornelia, all of you, Peter, how do we lock into contentment? Who sluit ek myself daar in? Who, who, who word ek vastgevang in die tevredenheid wat ek met vind in Jesus? How do we do it? I want to know the how to. Many people taught me what to do, but few told me how to do it. I want to tell the story. You'll see the that's not my car, by the way. Just, I uh, just want to tell you quickly, it's not my car. And thank you also. I wanted to share this for the concern that some of you showed last week after Sunday morning sermon, when you saw that I had two marks on my forehead, when I had these two cuts on my forehead, and you must have thought that maybe the message didn't go well and Desiree decided it's time again. You know, so it wasn't that, all right? It was, it was a shooting accident. Friends t took me shooting again with the rifles and I hadn't shot a rifle in about 30 years. And uh, I, I, I was confused between putting on my glasses and not using my glasses through the telescope. And the telescope hit me on the head when I pulled the trigger. So that's what happened. Just in case some of you were wondering, <laughs> it was very embarrassing. <laughs> so anyway, it's going to go better the next time. But I want to tell you about a man by the name of Dan Moller. And you'll find his sermons all over YouTube. And I love listening to him. He tells a story. And when you know his ministry, you'll know exactly where I'm coming from when I tell the story from his life. He says it was this particular evening. <clears throat> and he, was, uh, he, he went to church, but he had this brand new. Now, you know, in America, they call it a truck. But it's uh, in Afrikaans, even now, English people call it a bucky. So he had a bucky, he had a brand new bucky, this pickup truck. It was brand spanking new and he was in a hurry because he was a little bit late for a prayer and worship time at church. So he drove in and he stopped his, well, he drove and he parked outside and he, and he got out the car and he, and, and he went inside and he was in a hurry. And he, um, as he came in, um, he started worshiping. Then he realized he left his Bible in the car. So he swung around and he went outside to get his Bible and his car wasn't there. His brand new truck, his brand new pickup truck, his double cab wasn't there. And he, he thought, but I was only in there for a few minutes. Where could it be? And his attention caught some 
uh, you know, some uh, um, buzz down the road, some activity, and he looked down the road, and his brand new vehicle was standing at the bottom of the road, smashed against a big rock. What had happened was when he got out the car, now we call it a handbrake. They call it a parking brake. He forgot to pull up the handbrake, the parking brake, and the car ran down the road, right smack bang into a huge mass of rock. So he stood outside there looking at his vehicle at the bottom of the road. He went back inside into the church and he carried on worshiping and praying. Now, I just want to ask you, all right, those of you who are watching this this morning and listening to this, how many of us, and I don't know steers by it on, how many of us would have done that? I must be very honest. As I'm sitting here ministering to you this morning, I don't think I would have been that man going back into the church. This is not the end of the story. So now he's inside the church and he's praying and he's worshiping and he's adoring the Lord and he's in the spirit with this, with these beautiful people of God. And as he's busy, an elderly lady comes and she pats him on the shoulder and she says, excuse me, brother Dan, I just want to ask you something. He says, is this about my truck? She says, oh, you know, she says, your truck is standing at the bottom of the road, <laughs> smashed against a big rock. He says, yes, I know. She says, you know, he says, yes, I do. Let's carry on, carry on worshiping the Lord. And he carried on worshiping the Lord and praising God. When the service was finished, he went down to his truck that was standing smashed against this big rock at the bottom of the road. And just like him with his sense of humor, he looked at his truck and he says, you know what? With all those prayers that I pray inside of you, all that time that I worship inside of you when we are driving, when I talk about Jesus being our rock and that we must be founded upon the rock, I did not mean it literally. And I thought, how awesome, still a sense of humor on top of that. So long story short, now he obviously goes to the insurance, tells him this is what happened. Now, when you listen to this testimony, it's absolutely incredible to hear it. And he says that the, the, the insurance company called him back two or three times to say they cannot understand it. But every time the figures come exactly the same way at the bottom, the bottom line is exactly the same every time. They are actually going to pay him out more than what he paid for his new truck. You see, when you carry on and you have contentment, that level of contentment on the inside of you, when that's your life reality, when that is how you function and operate, you must listen to some of the other testimonies from this man. It has blown me away. And I've just realized that we as the people of God, guys, listen to me. Wherever we are, wherever we go, Jesus is with us. That's why a change of scenery, a change of geographics is not going to bring greater contentment into your life if you are not already content with Christ as you are where you are right now. Because he is as big in you here where you are seated in your home as where he would be where you are sitting in the Bahamas under a palm tree. Because, you know, a lot of people still have this thing that as ek net op een eiland evers kan wees, weg van al die probleme af. 
And when you're going to be on the island, you are going to wish that you were back here. The problem is a change of scenery doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be content. You need to change what is happening on the inside of you. And you'll see what I've got there. Resentment cancels contentment and contentment cancels resentment. And this I wrote down, folks, I sit down in the presence of God. I write these things down. The way I gave it to you in the past and the way I'm giving it to you now and will give in the future is the way I receive it from him. If your mind has become a reservoir of resentment, your inner waters will always be murky. And I know with murky waters, you cannot see well in murky waters. Murky waters you cannot drink because it's distasteful and it's poisonous. You cannot drink it. Jesus speaks about water. Jesus speaks about living water. Jesus speaks about a well of water springing up from the inside of us. And I don't know if you've realized every time that you come into the presence of God, the Bible says it in Ephesians chapter 5, it says the, war, the word is even its own water. It talks about the refreshing of water by the word of God. Even as you are sitting there listening to this word this morning, do you know that the word of God is washing you on the inside? It's clear water. There's waters that is rushing on the inside of you. It's a well of water. It's a spring of water. Why? Because Jesus constantly referred that water to life. And you have that on the inside of you. Your thirst has already been quenched because of Jesus bringing you the living water because he is it. That's the whole story about the woman at the well. That was a setup. Jesus was, that, that was a setup by the kingdom of God. And Jesus walked into that thing against religion, by the way. Religion wasn't happy that he did that. In fact, his own followers were busy being transformed from religion to relationship. They weren't happy about it because he wasn't supposed to speak to a woman out in public. How many of you know that Jesus broke many of the religious rules? <laughs> and I love it. I, I, have, I have that on the inside of me as well. Just like him, that, that bit of that, that rebellion against religion. I, I have that. And sometimes I know people don't get too happy about some things that you say, but then they try to throw him off a cliff twice. So we're in good company when we oppose religion and we are for relationship. Amen. You're one preacher. Thank you. I will. Contentment is a continuous calm. That's a good one to write down. Contentment is a continuous calm. You know what the Lord showed me as well while I was busy preparing this? And I thought about this. We talk about... Um, and, and I want to I wanna actually bring a, a spanner and put it right in the, the spokes of the wheel today concerning that thing. And say in Afrikaans, I will so a footer bring for that. There's no more Afrikaans there for ochend Marie in Zen. I will so a footer and bring that We talk about valley experiences and mountain experiences with God. So if you think about that, Valley and mountain experiences is no any valley, then I'm on the mountain. Then I'm in the valley, then I'm on the mountain. Then I'm in the valley, then I'm on the mountain. And you say to me, you want, well, that's how life goes. And I agree with you. That is how life goes. But the life inside of you doesn't go that way. Now work with me today. Contentment in Christ is the equalizing line that keeps your life consistent because if spiritual life 
is supposed to be up and down, then we cannot have Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 that says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever he will be the same. If he is forever the same, then you should be the same on the inside of you because it's him who dwells in you. Your life should have a spiritual consistency factor and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. He is your consistency factor this morning and this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. That is why the things of the world shouldn't perturb us. My first professor always said reversals should not subdue us. Why? Because we have that consistency factor on the inside of us. And we should be on that spiritual level all the time. Yuan, what is that spiritual level? I'm so glad you asked. I didn't think you were going to ask, but I'm glad you did. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the condition of your spirit. Righteousness, peace and joy. The word righteousness means being in right standing with God. That's my first level of contentment this morning. Hallelujah. Eric, that's my level of contentment, my brother. Why? Because if I'm in right standing with God, God's in right standing with me. Colossians 1 verse 19 and 20. You can go read those scriptures later on. But when you look at those scriptures, they say that God has made peace with you through the cross of Christ. So I have the peace of God on the inside of me that passes all reasoning and understanding and natural circumstances. So I'm not conditioned by the world system. I've been conditioned by Christ. He is my contentment. He is my fulfillment. He is my complete satisfaction and full satisfaction. So that is why we as Christians shouldn't have mountain experiences and valley experiences. We have consistent spiritual experiences in Him. Come on now. You see, the way to do that, and I'm going to show you now, now to the last slide, we're going to talk about what is that one thing <laughs> that secret that will lock you. I'm talking about locking, locking you into that kind of consistency. What is that one thing? And we're going to talk about it. So contentment is a mood stabilizer in your life. Have you, have you had emotional up and downs, ups and downs over the past couple of weeks? Have you had your emotions sometimes feeling like it was on a roller coaster? Then I want to say to you, contentment is your mood stabilizer. Once you learn how to be content in every situation and circumstance, it will help you not to take the medication anymore because contentment will be your mood stabilizer. Oh well. Contentment carries your confidence in Christ. You know, the way I saw it was a car pulling a trailer. It says there, contentment carries your confidence. Contentment is your, your four by four. It's your vehicle. It's your truck. It's your pickup. <laughs> it's your vehicle. And your trailer at the back, it's loaded full of confidence. So contentment pulls your confidence. Because contentment and confidence go together. Why is that? Because when I'm content in Christ, I'm confident in Him that He's going to be able to deal with all my circumstances, whatever it is that I am facing. 
Contentment and confidence are locked together. That's why the word, listen to this, discontentment means that you are disconnected from contentment. Discontentment. That's when the trailer comes off. Because confidence and contentment, they go together. Contentment is never a place. It's always a person. Thank you, Lord. I believe this is going to help a lot of people change their minds about what contentment really is. This has always been one of my favorite scriptures. And I know there are a lot of my students online. And they're going to say, you you always say you've got all of those favorites. This is one of them. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. You say, but it's a lady. I'm so glad it's got that lady on there so that we can make it, that it appeals to both sexes, male and female. And, and by the way, this is one preacher that's never going to talk about this whole thing that they are now doing about the genders and all the, listen, I want to say to you, <laughs> I'm going to stick to this. And you can see it's well used. This is well used. This Bible talks about mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. And uh, I'm going to stick with that. How about you? I'm not going to go into, well, th that a child can decide what gender he, he or she wants to be. They can decide. Now, I'm sticking with this. When I do weddings, there's a scripture that we always use. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and he shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh and hasn't changed in all the years. It's still going to remain the same. Listen, you can see what they are busy doing and I want to just bring this in quickly. This is free of charge. You don't have to pay for this at all. This is just a freebie. Listen to this. There are people who are now saying that the Old Testament really is not that important anymore. Um, they are, I'm talking about, you can go online, you can go and search this. In Christian circles, Christian churches, I'm talking about large works of God, big churches. They are talking about, and they're using these words, unhinging the Old Testament. Unhinge it. And all that is important because the, the Bible speaks about if we do not uh, have hope in the life after, the afterlife where we are now, if we don't have hope in that life, we are of all people most miserable. And re they related to 2 Corinthians 15 where it talks about the resurrection life that we have on the inside of us. And I preach that. It's correct. It says, and without the resurrection, there is no gospel. And I agree with that. They are saying that is the message we should preach in our modern days. Only the resurrection. We mustn't talk about the Old Testament anymore. We don't have to work out anymore how could Jonah fit into the belly of a whale. We don't have to work out anymore why did it take Mo, uh, um, Noah so long to build that ark. We don't have to work out anymore how did it work with the, the three guys in the fire and Jesus standing in the midst of them. We don't have to work out those things anymore. Let's just stick to the New Testament. I want to say to you, you take away the Old Testament, you have a vehicle that's got no wheels. It ain't going nowhere. You can put in the highest octane feel in that vehicle. If it's got no wheels, it's not going to go anywhere. The Old Testament is the wheels of the New Covenant and the New Testament. And excuse me, you people who are wanting to take the Old Testament out. Jesus referred to it more than anybody else.
Jesus referred to the Old Testament. Paul referred to the Old Testament. Why? Because the, it's the stability factor. You, you know what I'm thinking? You know that scripture that says in the book of Revelation that whoever takes anything out of this book, if you take anything out, so will your name be taken out of the Lamb's book of life. And if you add anything to it, so will the curses that are in this book be added to your life. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like kind of very serious to me. So let us, let us preach it as it is. Amen. God says he will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. That word stayed there. That's why I love this translation. Other translations say fixed on him. I like that. It's good. But I like this one. And when I looked it up, what it actually means is the person who has his mind stayed on God, completely focused on God, he will be in perfect peace. And that word basically means, in essence, to concrete your gaze. It, it, it kind of means to stare constantly at, to consistently behold. That's what that means. So I want to ask you that old song that turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace, when you behold him and his magnificence and his splendor and his majesty, it is amazing how the world loses its appeal. Because gazing at him, looking upon him, enjoying him, him being my fulfillment gives me complete satisfaction because it's only in him where we find that true satisfaction. That's a scripture you really need to mark in your Bible. In Exodus chapter 2 verse 21, people talking about unhinging the Old Testament. Then what will we do with this story? It says, Moses was content to live with a man. It's talking about Jethro. This is in Exodus chapter 2. You will remember the man Moses in the land of Egypt becoming an Egyptian, so to speak, learning all the ways of the Egyptian. He was schooled by the Egyptians. He became a prince in Egypt. That's what Moses was. He was, he was like a brother to the son of the Pharaoh. So Moses was in a place where he was now groomed. <laughs> I always love the story. He was groomed by the enemy to learn the ways of the enemy to eventually defeat the enemy. This is what God did with him. So when that little baby Moses came floating, this little the, the, the Nile in a basket, um, and Pharaoh's daughter picked him out of the Nile and brought, uh, I'm just making the story short, and brought him to the Pharaoh, placed him down at his feet and said, Daddy, look how cute he is. Can I keep him? And big old Pharaoh looked at this little baby in the basket and says, well, he's sure tiny, isn't he? Um, sure, that that cannot do any harm. Bring him in. 
What do you mean bring him in? He totally destroyed your kingdom, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sorry for the poor English, but that's really what happened there. But here's Moses. So he's groomed in Egypt. And one day he's walking and he sees uh, an Egyptian attacking one of the Jews. And he goes, and you know what happens? He goes and he kills the Egyptian and he buries him. And the next day he's walking and um, he's somebody else is knocking somebody and, and he intervenes and he says, are you going to also kill me like you killed the other guy? And Moses realizes he's in trouble. So he runs and he, he's on foot and he gets into the back parts of the desert and he meets up with Jethro after he gives water to his daughter's camels. And there were seven daughters and he gives water to all of them. Again, water is involved gives water to all of them. Jethro sees this because they back quicker than what they should be. And he says, who's this man that helped you? They said, well, he was at the well. Go call him. Let him come and eat bread in my house. Again, Moses is brought in from the outside. And what happens is he starts becoming content to dwell with Jethro. And as he stays with Jethro, Jethro kind of fancies Moses so much he gives him his daughter Sephora and and, and that means bird by the way and and no, uh, Moses gets this bird from <laughs> from Jethro he gets Sephora and he marries her and Moses is content in the back parts of the desert now get the story he was in the courts of Pharaoh he was a prince in Egypt he had everything his heart could desire he lacked absolutely nothing. And the Lord looks upon this and he takes him out of his comfort, out of his present contentment, and he brings him into another country to bring him into another situation to find contentment in different circumstances. He's out of Egypt, guys. He's in a different part of the world, the back parts of the desert. You know what he's doing? Looking after sheep. Does that sound familiar? You remember another guy that also looked after sheep and he would play his harp under the trees? Exactly, Carol. There was David. And there you, do you also remember another shepherd that came after in the new covenant who said that I am the door of the sheepfold. I am the great shepherd of the sheep. Come on now. As I'm sitting here, I have goose flesh from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Here God grooms the first shepherd. To take him to a higher place. God grooms David the shepherd. To take him to a higher place. And God groomed Jesus. To take him to the kingdom. That he was to inherit. And that's all of us. Seated at the right hand of his father. And what did he inherit? All the sheep that are now watching this. Particular broadcast. He has won all of the sheep. Who has now followed him. And we hear his voice. Moses is now in a position where God can use him again because he is content. What does he see after his contentment? He's now walking, minding his own business, being the best little shepherd boy he knows how to be, not bothering anybody with his stick. And he sees this bush and there's a fire burning inside the bush, but the bush is not consumed. I love the way the Bible says on how Moses treats this whole situation. There's such contentment in this guy. I can actually see him walking with his stick. He loop met sy staf daar in die woestijn. En hy sien hierdie gebeurtenis, hierdie vuur binnen in die bos. En die bos brand nie. 
And he says, I will, <laughs> it's nearly like eloquent. He says, I will now turn aside to behold this wondrous situation, this wondrous matter. And we know what happens. He gets closer and God calls to him out of the burning bush and says, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals because the place where you are standing is holy ground. You see, from contentment, what happened with Moses is the revelation of God. The I am now reveals himself to Moses in his contentment and the contentment brought the revelation of God, which was going to be the activation of Moses' elevation to the leader of Israel. Contentment is the key. If you can find contentment in your present circumstances and situation, you say, Johan, but it's really not going well. We are really struggling at this time. And I want to say to you, in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that bush, there's a fire burning. My business is really not doing well. In fact, unless we have a miracle right now, our business is not going to make it. Look for the fire right in the middle of that situation. Because it's the fire who speaks, the fire that, and yes, the fire who speaks, because it's who he is. He is a consuming fire, the Bible says. He is the fire who will speak into your heart, speak into your life, speak into your business, speak into your situation. The I am will reveal himself to you wherever you are finding yourself right now. Are you content? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. I asked you earlier on, I said to you, what is the key that will lock you into contentment? And it's one word, thanksgiving. You want that's it? You mean after all of this, it's thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the key that opens all of the doors in front of you. Because thanksgiving for where you are opens doors to present greater value to you when you find value in your present situation. You remember the story about the golf clubs when I started last week. When Nathan found value in an old set of golf clubs, the man went and he fetched his new set of golf clubs, his own personal set, and he gave it to Nathan. And his words to Nathan were, if you can find value in a set like that, an old set, then you deserve this. And he gave him a brand new set of golf clubs. You remember the story. If you can find value in your present situation, God is getting you ready for a greater value that you can inherit. Rejoice always, Paul says. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Where do we give thanks? Right in the middle of the circumstances. We are giving thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hoeveel mens het ek nie al gehad wat na my toe kom in a gebedslein, wat voorkom staan na die diens, that come and stand there and they need prayer. When they stand in front of the church and they say, I want you to pray for me. I want to know, here is what they say, and you know perhaps you've done it, I've done it. When you come and stand in front of somebody to pray for you and you say, I really just want God to show me His will for my life. 
It's one of the most common prayers that people ask prayer for. I have the answer for you. It's in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can it be any more clearer than this? This is His will for you. And you and you and you and all of you that are online today. This is His will for you. Is to give thanks right now where you are in your situation. Start giving Him thanks. Thanksgiving is the, the road that leads to the new thing that God has for you. Thanksgiving opens the way to faith. Thanksgiving opens the way to hope. Thanksgiving is filled with grace. When grace comes into contentment and thanksgiving, it pleases the heart of the Father. That's why it says, enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving. Enter. You enter with thanksgiving. You don't enter with prayer. You enter with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. You see, before you get to the, oh, before you get to the throne, you first need to give thanks. Because thanksgiving opens the way. When you come in with a heart of gratitude, the throne is open for whatever request it is that you have in your heart. Don't come in complaining and murmuring and moaning and groaning about stuff. Come in with thanksgiving. Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit is my ever-present help in time of trouble. Father, I thank you that you have never left me. Thank you that you opened the way before me. Thank you. You've always been there for me. You are there for me now. You will be there in my future. Thank you, Father, whatever it is I face. I thank you that you have already got all the answers for me. Not only that, you are the answer in my situation. I give you thanks for that. You know what happens? Resentment flees. All of those other things flee. And as I'm closing, you remember I said to you last week when I was praying and the Lord showed me that Thanksgiving is like laser beams. You remember that? I said I saw this round thing and I saw these laser beams shining up to heaven, all different colors. And then what he showed me in that, he says, when you start giving me thanks, you know what it is that leaves you? What leaves you is fear. What leaves you is, is, um, is uh, guilt. What leaves you is shame. What leaves you is condemnation. What leaves you is judgment. And what comes is grace, hope, faith, contentment, love, understanding. That's what comes. The one leaves, the other one comes. And it's all through thanksgiving. And our precious brother who leads us in worship before every service, Tinas. He was here yesterday. And he made a, sorry, on Friday. And he made a statement. And I said to him, Tinas, I'm going to put that in the sermon on Sunday morning. And I'm going to give you credit for it. Because it is so good. As he got to his car to leave, he said to me, and we were talking about contentment. He says, you know what? Contentment is your plane ticket to your next destination. So I've got to give our musician credit for this one. And I want to put clapping hands with it. Because it is true. Contentment is your plane ticket to your next destination. Can we take just a few moments?
just to say thank you to God. Just a few moments. Why don't you right now find... Can I ask you for five things, just five things that you are grateful and thankful for today? Just think of five things to say thank you to God for. Let's do it right now. We honor you, Father. While these people are saying thank you to you for what they not only have in their lives, but who you are in their lives, because Christ is our consistent contentment. Unless we are content in Christ, we cannot be ever content with anything in this life. It is minuscule in comparison to the contentment we find in Jesus. That is why he is called <laughs> the I am that I am. He is your contentment, he is. He is your full provision, he is. He is your full satisfaction, he is. Thank you, Father. As these people are giving thanks right now, even before we partake of communion, we already say thank you for the healing that's going to take place in people's bodies right now. I thank you for it. I thank you in advance because thank you is the, is the precursor to faith. And as I'm thanking you now, I thank you that faith is going to kick in and operate in the hearts and lives of these precious people of God. I say thank you for healings that's going to take place in their bodies, from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for healing, Father. Arthritis, you are going to go today in the name of Jesus. Because I give God thanks that He's already taken care of that on the cross of Christ. Joint pain, you are going to go today in the name of Jesus. Muscle injuries, where there's been restriction of movement. Father, I thank you there's going to be healing in people's bodies today. I thank you for it already, even before we've prayed. Father, I thank you for provision that you are bringing into your people's lives. Father, even before it has come, I say thank you. Why? Because it's a given, because you're in it. Your word says, one of your redemptive names, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who has already provided. And we thank you for all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and Amen.